Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hey. <laughs> so welcome everybody and 
I know I pulled the show up two hours earlier than I normally started, and I know a few of you are probably cussing me in your head, but this is better. This frees up the afternoon so you all can take care of your business, but also when I relocate to the West Coast, I will be getting up at 8 a.m. to do this show. That's how much I love you. How about that? Getting up okay. early in the morning. That's a lot of love. <laughs> do you have your volume up? Yeah, is it about you? Must, no, you're not listening to the show on that end. You, this phone. Anyway, what's up, everybody? So we just, you know, we thank you for tuning in. We appreciate the support. We appreciate the, you know, motivation, the encouragement. I love getting the inboxes. Hi, Brandy. I got your email, dear. I just haven't had a chance to respond. But, um, man, we appreciate it. You know, there's a lot going on. October 11th and 12th of this year, October 11th and 12th of 2014, we will be holding our first People of Color Beyond Faith conference. This is our first annual conference, and this is called Moving Social Justice, Moving Social Justice Conference, and this is going to be held at CFI Los Angeles, which is on Hollywood Boulevard in L.A., and let me tell you some of the wonderful people that will be joining us as, you know, speakers and panelists. We will have Mercedes Force from the Mercedes Parra Foundation. Of course, we will have Dr. Sakibu Hutchison from the Black Skeptics Group and Women Leadership Program and you know, a host of other things, author, blogger, just a wonderful person overall. We will have Meredith Moise, who is a minister from Creative Heart Mission. And for those who aren't familiar with Meredith, go back and view our archives from our February conference. Meredith was on a couple of panels. She absolutely blew us away. We had to have her come out to L.A. to be a part of this conference. You all will enjoy her. You know, and she's happy wonderful. belated birthday to Meredith in case she hears. Yes. Show, so. Yeah, exactly. You know, I want some of that cake. Did you see that cake? And I, <laughs> that cake was gorgeous. It really was. was. Yeah, you can inbox me a slice. Thank you very kindly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have Anthony Penn on the show, Dr. Penn. Dr. Anthony Penn will be part of the conference from Rice University. You all should be familiar with him. He just wrote God's Obituary. So you, you also, you know, wonderful book. You can find all of his selections and Dr. Hutchinson's selections on Amazon. Check them out. Those are a couple of our legends and icons in the community. We were joined by another one last week, um, Dr. Don Barbera. He wrote Black and Not Baptist, you know, another icon in our community. But I just wanted to make sure I gave him a shout-out to let him know how much I appreciate him calling in last week. We will have Raina Rose, the one and only Raina Rose from okay. Black Free Thinkers. There <laughs> ain't nobody like you. You know that. Okay, well, so we'll have Raina Rose. We will have Mr. Donald Wright, another legend in our community. Donald Wright wrote, um, the only prayer I'll ever pray is let my people go. He is also the founder of the Day of Solidarity for Black Nonbelievers. So Donald Wright, another legend in his own right in our community, support our people support the legends. We have uh, Norm Allen, you know, another legend, um, Debbie Goddard, who's a legend in our community as well. I mean, there are some wonderful, wonderful people out there, and I just want to make sure that we don't overlook anyone. And, you know, I only named a few people, but, you know, they have books. You know, go and seek that out. You know, support them. As a matter of fact, um, 
um, Candace Gorham is supposed to be doing um, live national television. She's going to be on the Roland Martin show. Um, I don't have the information about that in front of me, but, you know, I want you all to seek that information out. You know, we need motivation. We need encouragement. We need to know that you're supporting us. So, I mean, if you show up, you know, send her a little note, send these people notes. You know, they do appreciate it. They do appreciate knowing that you're there and that you care and that you're learning. So, you know, it's important. But let me tell you a few of the panels that we're going to be um, having during this conference. We're going to have a youth leadership and busting prison pipelining um, panel. And, you know, you've heard us talking about prison pipelining. For those that are familiar, you can go and read Michelle Alexander's book, The New Jim Crow, wonderful, wonderful book, to kind of get you up to date with, you know, uh, how some of this is working, and we post articles about these things all the time. Another panel is Feminisms of Color and Community Activism. Another panel, Anti-Racism and the Myth of Color Blindness. We are not living in a post-racial America. Don't let them fool you. But, um, you know, we post, you know, about that all of the time. We'll be talking about confronting homophobia and transphobia in the black church. That is an important panel. That is a very, I mean, they're all extremely important, but that one right there, you know, we will have ministers, you know, local community um, leaders that will be a part of that panel, and we'll be talking about that, and, you know, the majority of these people are liberal, progressive ministers and preachers. So, you know, it's good that we start having these conversations, especially for those of us that do believe in social justice, community activism, and grassroots organizing. You know, all of this is very important. Culturally relevant humanism, what is it and why do we need it? You know, we talked a little bit about that on our February podcast, and I moderated that podcast. I mean, I'm sorry, the webcast um, on the POC network, and I more than likely will end up moderating that panel as well. And we will have a panel LGBTQ, atheists of color, and social justice. So, you know, we will have something for everybody. And the registration fee is $40, and it's $25 for students. And this conference is being sponsored by CFI Los Angeles, African Americans for Humanism and the Secular Student Alliance. So we want to thank them for their encouragement, for their support, for working with us on this. We're looking forward to having, you know, the students come in and, you know, being a part of the panel. We're looking forward to seeing all of you. You're all welcome, everybody. We want to see you there. We want to meet you. Um, we will be selling books. Um, we will have some raffles. We'll be selling T-shirts, all of that. So you'll be able to come out, take pictures, have your books autographed. Everything will be there. Everything will be available. So, you know, again, you know, we care. We love you guys. Um, we just want to let you guys know how much we appreciate you. And so, you know, with that being that, I also want to let you guys know on April 25th and 26th, Raina and myself, we will be at Morgan State University in Baltimore, Maryland, and we will be a part of their Philosophical Atheism and um, Faith Communities Conference. So you can look forward to seeing us on a panel. You can see we'll have presentations. So we're looking forward to all of that. So, you know, we're getting out there. People of color beyond faith, 
is, you know, a project that we're extremely proud of. If you get a chance, go find our YouTube channel. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have a Twitter account. Our hashtag is POCBeyondChat as well as POCBF. And we have a Facebook page. Guys, we want you to be a part of this. This is for you, and this is for everyone. You know, we've had Afro-Latinos participate, Latinos, Asians. This is for everyone. We want you to participate, and not only for non-believers, we want theists to participate. We want that conversation. We're building that bridge. This is for all of us to learn from one another and to grow. That's what it's about. It's about growing and learning. So we welcome you, we thank you, and we do care about you. So I just wanted to make sure that we stress that, and it's a lot going on. We'll have another digital online conference the first weekend of August. So we're going to do it one more again. We're going to do it one more time. So, you know, this is for you. If you're interested in being on a panel, you're interested in participating, you can email us, peopleofcolorbeyondfaith at gmail.com. Again, that's peopleofcolorbeyondfaith at gmail, or you can send us a message on Facebook or even direct message us on Twitter um, or, you know, reach out. Just, you know, tweet at us and we'll take care of that. So, you know, that being that, um, so, you know, we wanted to talk a little bit about atheists of color, FAQs, and comments. And one of the reasons why is because we get a lot of the same questions over and over. And it's not just black atheists. Exactly. You know, Latino atheists get some of the same questions over and over, Asian atheists, Native Indian, you know, just the whole gamut there. And so we're trying to answer some of these questions so that we can move on and talk about more relevant issues. But then there are also some questions that we although we know that the people are well meaning and their intentions are honorable. Some, some of, of these them questions are. Yeah, some of them are. Some of these questions are offensive. Okay. And so you know, we're gonna help you to understand the difference between the two. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Raina dropped a blog yesterday called My Black Atheist FAQ, and this blog has been making waves throughout the community since she dropped it Friday. And it's an absolutely wonderful blog. You know, I posted it on my wall. We'll post it again a little bit later. If you get a chance, go check it out. Um, it was, you know, it's just a lot of irony in this. But I know before we move forward, you know, uh, Raina wants to talk a little bit about Madonna. Oh, right. Okay. So if you guys haven't heard about it yet, <laughs> and the reason I'm, I'm bringing this up is because this is a, a, a prime example of one of the things that I talked about on my blog, uh, which is the concept of white privilege uh, that comes up quite frequently. Um, so Madonna, as you all may know, um, had adopted a son from Malawi, and um, you know she goes uh, back and forth to Malawi from time to time um, doing charitable work, um, which she says, um, involves <laughs> building schools, uh, which apparently it, it has nothing to do with building schools so much as helping to build the classrooms. Um, but in any case, um, she uh, went to Malawi uh, this last time and has been complaining that she did not get uh, VIP treatment. Um, and so um, 
Joyce uh, Banda, the president of Malawi, uh, basically read her the riot act. Like, <laughs> she, like, she just let her have it, and um, and rightfully so, because, um, you know, she essentially, you know, uh, went on about, um, you know, saying that uh, she she expected to be treated this way and, and what have you, and the, and the government let her know, like, this, um, you know, VIP treatment is at, is at the discretion of the government. And, you know, when you come into the country as a visitor and you don't, you know, address us through the proper channels, there's no reason why we should have to stop everything that we're doing in terms of governing the country in order to accommodate you. But it was just, it was just, uh, and the the reaction of Madonna was very sort of indicative to me of what of the sorts of things that we see with white privilege. She expected um, because she's given charity to one Mo, uh, Malawian child in particular that somehow um, she should have these you know these courtesies extended to her. Um, you know, uh, in, in in any situation, that people are just supposed to drop what they're doing to say thank you, Madonna. You know what I mean? For giving mm-hmm. money to you know this organization or, or or adopting this child. And I, I guess that's supposed to you know go on in perpetuity. You know what I mean? Like they're just supposed to do that. You know, period. Whenever she decides she wants to land. But um, it's it's a really 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 interesting letter that Joyce Banda wrote in response to Madonna. Um, I'll post it on Kim's wall a little bit later. Um, there's also some, you know, some affluent privilege, you know, some, some class privilege going on in that situation as well. But I think a lot of it does have to do with um, the race question, and especially when you're talking about someone who um, recently, recently, um, you know, was uh, found to be calling her shot her own child uh, a little nigger, you know what I mean, in the Twitter photo that she had of her child at um, karate classes, you know what I mean? So I just think um, it's a good example. I'll post it on um, Kim's wall again. So, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> I would have read parts of the letter, but it's, it's really too long, and it's really, but it's really good, and it's really worth reading. So I'm not going to read any of it for you. I'm just going to encourage you to go and read it for yourself. Affluenza at its very finest, huh? Yeah. Affluenza and Aff- white privilege. Exactly. <laughs> so it's just interesting. So, you know, we tell, tell you all about these things so you can kind of get a better idea as to what's happening and seeing it in action. You know, no better example than reality, you know. So it's just really interesting. But, um, yeah, so, you know, we're going to talk about some random questions so we can stop some of this redundancy. Um, before we get to that, um, Raya, did you want to address the Frederick Douglass, um, Jeremiah Wright issue? Okay, so, <laughs> okay, so Kim is um, referring to, <laughs> okay, um, I thought we were going to address all of those towards the end. I thought we were going to go with the okay. FAQ okay. first. I didn't know what we were doing. 
All right. So for those of you that want to hear us address it, you got to stay to the end. So (laughs) I'll make sure we address it the past 20 minutes of the show. How about that? The last yeah, 20 minutes got, of- we want to talk about a lot of different things that, you know, exactly. from various podcasts and various talks that we've heard, and we want to address a couple of those things because um, these things come up quite frequently and um, they need to be addressed in a particular way. So, um, so let me yeah, start please. with the very first one that annoys the hell out of me. And I'm telling you guys, this annoys me. I've answered it. Raina has answered it. I've seen every black atheist answer this question in written form and verbally, okay? I mean, everyone, everyone. And the question is, why do you have black groups? Why do you have Latino groups? Why do you have Asian groups? Why do you have Native groups? Why do you have Indian groups? On and on and on. Why do you have separate groups? Why are you excluding yourself? What, do you think you're special? You know, Raina, take it away. <laughs> well, you, see, the thing is, okay, let me, let me tell you, let me tell you all why I'm handing it over to Raina, because... You know, I'm frustrated and because, I, you know, we get the same questions over and over. And, you know, I, I answer them intelligibly. You know, that's, that's no problem. I mean, for those of you that are familiar with me, you know, I give great answers. But after a while, it gets annoying. And mm-hmm. I have, I can give you some really ignorant-ass answers to some of these questions. And I've been told that that's not nice. And I don't feel like being nice today. So we're going to let Raina be nice, and then I'll think about it. <laughs> okay. So, okay, the first problem that I have with people who ask this question is, it, it, okay, <laughs> the first problem I have with it is, is like, I feel like this question comes mostly from white atheists. And I feel like, these are the white atheists who are, you know, talking about, you know, we are all Africans and this, that, and the third. Well, let me tell you something about that slogan, we are all Africans. While obviously this concept of race is not an objective reality, that is something that was created as a construct, make no mistake. We did not make that designation, black people, people of color. That was a label that was placed on us. So when you talk about we're all Africans, realize that while you're saying that we're all the same species, we're all the same, you know, essentially, you know, that the differences between us are very small and and certainly not uh, large enough to call ourselves different races, um, there is an experience that comes with being African, okay? There is an experience that comes with being a person of color, and that experience is one of oppression and racial mm-hmm. discrimination and and what have you. And so by saying that we're all Africans, you do not erase that reality. That is that is still a reality. And even if that was not a reality, there is there are still many ethnic differences even even within the black community, there are ethnic differences, but there are still ethnic differences and, and, and differences, you know, even geographically. 
you know what I mean, regionally, you know, that mm-hmm. would still separate us. So you cannot just um, think that you can erase that and that we're all supposed to be the same. What is the atheist experience? There is no singular atheist experience. And so, you know, some of us who have similar experiences want to be visible to others who might desire to come forward. And we also want to join with people who have similar experiences so that we can, you know, work through some of our issues to um, to form new communities based around, you know, some of the cultural aspects and things that we value without necessarily the religious aspects. And we have a right to do that. Now, um, as far as excluding and self-segregating and all that nonsense, please, first of all, if we're talking about the United States, which I think most of us are, the United States is, is actually probably more segregated in many ways than it was in the 1960s, in the 1950s and 60s. And a lot of that has to do with public policy. So none exactly. of us are necessarily exactly. self-segregating. This, this is the fact, some of it's de facto segregation, some of it is, is legislated. It's just not mm-hmm. called race anymore. It's called um, underdeveloped or, you know, um, low income. You know what I mean? Or these right. sorts of things. They make a right. mistake that low-income and underserved uh, communities are low-income and underserved for reasons that are, are, are based on policy, okay? Exactly. So more than likely where most of us as a black people find ourselves are going to be in communities filled with people who look mostly like us. When you have your atheist conferences, for example, one of these one of the conferences is going to be in Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City is pretty segregated, um, even even with the, in, in terms of its Native American population. Um, they have a lot of problems with poverty, a lot of in, uh, high high incarceration rates for Native Americans, who make up such a small percentage of the population. You know, mm-hmm. can it really be that maybe a group that makes up maybe you know eight maybe 10, maybe 13% of a, pop, of a local population could really be committing, like, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50% of all the crime? Really? Does that sound reasonable to you? And what are these crimes? You know what I mean? You also have to look at those sorts of things. So, um, and I say that, and I'm, I'm, I'm throwing out numbers, but they're not, I mean, I, I realize these are not, I don't have the exact statistics in front of me, but I have done some research on this. I do know that there are disproportionate incarceration rates for Native Americans, disproportionate rates of incarceration for black people, disproportionate rates of incarceration for trans people, who if you believe the numbers that, you know, that sociologists and, and other groups project are maybe, are maybe 7% of the population, but in some areas, they make up 20 to 30% of the, of the incarcerated population. So how does that work? You know what I mean? 7%. You know what I mean? So we have to take exactly. into account um, systemic discrimination and, um, and, and transphobia, homophobia, sexism, you know, uh-huh. racism, and, uh-huh. and even classism, you know, and, and, and xenophobia. A lot of it is xenophobia. Exactly. You know what I mean? Into account. Xenophobia means about. being afraid of anybody that's any different than yourself. But go ahead. No. Right, right. 
And so, um, and so I think we have to take a lot of these things into context. So, you know, when we're talking about, you know, why aren't there more black people in, at my meeting that I have in Palm Springs, you know what I mean, or in the, you know, upper class part of town, you know what I mean, that doesn't have, you know, good access to transportation, um, to public transportation, um, you know, or, you know, or maybe would just, or, or maybe has just, is just an area that's fairly hostile to black people. I mean, there are some areas in this country where you as a black person, just by walking through that neighborhood, can be accosted. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's happened exactly. here in Baltimore City. In Baltimore City, there um, there is a, a neighborhood, um, a neighborhood where uh, a lot of Jewish people live. And um, there was actually a trial recently about a couple of, um, about, about a couple of Jewish boys who, beat the hell out of a young black kid just because he was in the quote-unquote wrong side of town. Not because he did anything, he didn't commit any crime, he didn't beat anybody up, he was just there. And it was just it was just so offensive to them that they had to, to beat him up. You know what I mean? And so, I mean, you look at the Trayvon Martin situation and just this notion that, you know, he didn't belong there, he was doing something, you know, wrong just by walking in the rain. Come on. You know what I mean? So let's keep these things in mind when we talk, when we ask someone a question like, "Why do you have your own group?" This is why we have our own group. This is why. Exactly, and 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 you know to kind of piggyback on what Raina was saying about the public policy. If you go back through our archives, I did a show specifically talking about this, and it was part of the Privilege Mutiny series, and it's called Inner City Blues. And we talk about public policy. We talk about, um, you know, the federal housing. You know, um, we talked about interstate planning. We talked about public planning. We talked about all of that in that particular show if you want more details about that. And, you know, also, you know, there are, you know, Martin Luther King said Chicago was the most segregated city in the country. It was then and it still is now. There are different areas where black people, when the sun goes down, you better go out. You better be gone. And we're going to talk about sundown towns. We're going to do a show about sundown towns. I want you guys to look that up. This is a very real reality. Remember Forsyth County, Georgia? Well, they used to have a lot of African Americans that lived there until they marched them out of town. And Forsyth County is the county that Oprah went to. They didn't even want Oprah there. So, you know, that's Forsyth, Georgia, coming Georgia, all up in that area right there, right up Georgia 400. I know exactly where it is because I go to the little um, outlet mall that goes past Forsyth County But when I'm, when I'm in the area. But, um, you know, the thing is is that this is a very real reality, and it's still current. I mean, remember when, that, when some of those um, little young African-American boys were beaten up in Bensonhurst, New York? There are different parts of New York where that happens. It happens all over the country. So, you know, we want you all to, you know, get familiar with this. Um, they call it isolated incidents. I call it domestic terrorism. But anyway, but there is a reason why we have our groups, and it's not because we don't want whites participating or we don't want to participate with whites. It has nothing to do with that. It has, you know, to do with there are some common experiences um, you know, it's about getting together and, and not being made to feel as though you're an enigma or some type of anomaly, and I've never heard of a black atheist before. Is that hard? Well, it's not any harder than being a white atheist. Well, maybe it is. 
Because in a black community, when you start saying that you don't believe in God, because religion is, you know, interwoven within the very foundation of our culture, to a, to a point you're committing social suicide. And you can also be putting your life in danger. So, you know, it, it's just interesting because we have to contend with, you know, black religious people, but then we also have to contend with, you know, some white atheists that have a problem. And so we're being pulled in those two different directions sometimes, and this is how we lose focus of some of the things that we're trying to accomplish. So this is why, you know, we're telling you sometimes that can be difficult and why we want to lay that to rest. Because, I mean, I've seen interviews with Jorge and a bunch of other people, and they get asked these same questions, and I'm pretty sure the consensus is the same. You know, so... You know, I can't speak for anyone else. I can't speak for any other black people. I can't speak for any other, um, you know, person of color. I can only speak for me. Please stop asking me that question. And, yeah, I know we all share Lucy as an ancestor. I know that. Uh Uh-huh. You know, but (laughs) come on. (laughs) We have to be better than you know what I mean? Lucy ain't here to talk about it right now. So And Lucy I mean, and Lucy never had to and Lucy never lived in a world where race was an issue. You know what I mean? Exactly. Lucy never oh, had to Lucy you're, never Go ahead. Sorry, Lucy never No, you were about to say oh, something. No, go ahead. No, 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 you were about to say something. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, because, you know, we're going to segue into the next part, you know. So you have your own groups, and, you know, you need to be around more white people. You know, we need to, you know, you need to come around us, and you're going to need our cooperation. We know that. We have some beautiful allies out there, and we appreciate them. We appreciate them. We appreciate the people who have good intentions, who are well-meaning, and who are actually trying to be educated on these particular topics. So this is not for you. This is for some of the trolls that not only show up in these groups, but that come to these meetings as well, because there are trolls that show up specifically. But then we go into, well, we have a black president. You know, are you people ever happy? We live in a colorblind, post-racial America. Nope. So what's the problem, buddy? No. If it's post-racial, somebody forgot to send us the memo. And they forgot to send the the criminal justice system the memo and the education system the memo and the public housing and the the, um, banking system and Wall Street. They forgot to send all these folks the memo. Exactly, exactly. And there's no such thing as colorblindness. What you're saying to me when I hear you tell me that I should be colorblind is that I should ignore the experiences that I've lived through. I mean, I've been black a long time, at least since 8 o'clock this morning. And (laughs) I've been through some things, and I'm not done. i still got a lot of living to do. Of course, of course. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, I can't take anyone seriously who tells me that they're colorblind or that we should be all colorblind. You know, I am, you know, have, I I, I don't know about you, but I've, I've witnessed a cross burning on the lawn. You know what I mean? Of my family's Mm -hmm. lawn on Christmas Day. 
You know what I mean? So please do not come to me with any of that we're post-racial nonsense. I'm only, I mean, I'm only like 30 years old. This is like, you know, less than 20 years ago. You know what I mean? That this happened right. to me. Right. You know what I mean? So like, don't, don't come at me with the we're post-racial, you know, we should be over it. You know, why do you use it? Why do you call yourself black? Nonsense. Okay. Right. Because and, me not calling mm-hmm. myself black does not negate the reality of racial discrimination and, and, and uh, systemic racism. You know? Exactly. And, and what's interesting is, and let's, let's put this in context. You know, it was in the 60s that, you know, the Civil Rights Act was signed and, you know, they were supposed to be attempting to level the playing field. Now, mind you, this is the 1960s, not the 1860s, the 1960s. And what's interesting is there are polls and surveys in which white people now feel as though they're being discriminated against, that, you know, blacks are more racist and that we shouldn't have special privileges, you know, that the playing field should not be leveled. But it's only been, you know, 50 years. It's only been 50, 50 years versus 400-plus years of oppression, not only slavery, but you had Jim Crow, you had the black code, you had all of that. And, and, and because now we're able to, you know, have access to certain programs, because remember, and we did a show on this as well as part of the Privilege Mutiny series, in which we talked about how black landowners, you know, during slavery and after slavery, they had to pay property taxes, yet their children were not able to go to public schools. You know, they were not able to get Social Security. They were not able to get welfare, yet they paid into that system. And mm-hmm. this is why we always talk about states' rights. When you hear people saying states' rights, that's, that's a cold word. It's a trigger. And so, you know, we've explained this over the past couple of years. That's why I encourage you guys to look this up, research it, and to go back and listen to the archives because we've covered some very important topics. But anyway, going back to, you know, you know back to the point, um, you know, it's only been 50 years, you know, since that was signed. 50 years? No, we're not going to catch up, you know, know, in 50 years of over 400-plus years of systemic and outright, you know, racism. And continuing. Yeah. And continuing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, I I don't know what to tell you, but it, it needs to be broadened even more. But, you know, maybe we should start working on that bootstrapping thing, right? Oh, geez. Yeah, when I heard that bootstrapping thing <laughs> in that Q&A session, oh, man. Right. Uh, or not, not the q and I'm sorry, on the, on the thinking atheist. I'm sorry. The bootstrapping thing on the thinking atheist really irritated me. Um, so we'll get, we'll get to that towards the end because I want to address some things and some, some talks and a couple of podcasts and a Q&A that I heard, um, you know, recently and and I I mean some of these things I had been aware of before but I kind of feel like addressing them in the context of this FAQ thing because um, you know these are things that come up quite frequently and people ask questions on and um, you know I'm kind of tired of some of the answers there some of them are just really lazy answers Um, some of them are really uninformed answers you know 
So I think it's time that right. we just address them. Right. But so that's the reason why we have the groups. Um, you know, the, the various groups. We want to be visible to each other. We want to address some of the issues that we, you know, that we face as people of color. And we want to bond with people over cultural and um, sort of um, ethnic, you know, similarities and commonalities that we find. So, um, you know, it's not that white people are not welcome at all to these things. Um, you know, I think there's really maybe only one group in, entirely, <laughs> and honestly, and honestly, um, it's not a group that I would want to be a part of as a black person. So, there you go. But um, you know, they're you know the the black idiots. I'm sorry, black atheists of Atlanta, and um, I think now they're calling themselves the real black atheists of Atlanta, <laughs> and um, you right. know they're homophobes right. and you know they're bigots of just you know. They're just they're just bigots. So there's just really no reason to want to be involved with them. Um, and the yeah, black I mean, nationalists no posing as atheists. Yeah. Black nationalists posing as atheists. You got quite a bit of that in this um, community. Go back to our very first show of the year, white nationalism, black nationalism, atheist front, and it will explain a lot to you. But go ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's 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 a lot of black nationalists you know, that are attracted to this community for various reasons. Um, and a lot of it is to attack the church. Um, I think it's unfortunate. And, and a lot of them are under the, the same, you know, uh, misapprehension as a lot of atheists that, you know, that black people, you know, on the whole were forced, you know, to take up um, Christianity. And some of that is true, but not completely. Um, there's data that shows that a lot of black people had, the most black people in this country um, had not converted to Christianity by the 1800s. So it was really the second great awakening that really um, got black people into um, converting. And then part of that conversion was motivated by the fact that a lot of the um, the people in the second great awakening movement um, were anti-slavery. And some of the reasons for their anti-slavery uh were motivated by the um, sort of the um, humanity, you know, uh, or the humanist uh, sort of reasons, you know, not wanting to see people brutalized and mistreated. <clears throat> but a lot of it had to do with what they saw as the moral, um, you know, uh, complications of slavery, which mainly centered around um, miscegenation, and that was, you know, white men raping you know, they said having sex with, but it was rape, white men raping black women and um, subsequent offspring from that. You know, a lot of people were, um, you know, they had, a, they, they were morally outraged by these extramarital affairs, in quotes, that white men were having with their slaves, and um, they were concerned over the damage and what have you um, that that caused. But, um a lot of the the conversion that happened was not forced. It was um, it was a means for some black people to gain freedom at one point, um, you know. But it, it, it's one of those things. It's like some people converted for uh, because they were forced. Some people converted because they were attracted to the possibility of freedom. You know, um, Richard Allen, for example, 
he became interested or he became converted um, because he ran into a couple of ministers involved in the second, you know, awakening, great awakening. And um, they were able to convince his master to let him earn his freedom. And without Richard Allen, there would be no African-American or African Methodist Episcopal Church in the United States, which in, in many ways has been instrumental in a lot of, you know, social justice activism and in the abolitionist movement and also provided opportunities for freed and escaped slaves to find housing, to find jobs, to find, uh, to get educated, you know. So, um, and, and then there's just the whole, there's another story that a lot of, you know, atheists, black and white, don't tell, which is the fact that um, that um, we we changed, you know, effectively the um, the theology that we encountered. We we heard what people said about freedom and God given rights, and we took them at their word. And when they, con- you know, they basically said, "No, but you're not." equal to us, we were like, no, but this is how I read the Bible and that much not how I, what it said, according to me. You know what I mean? So we had our own realities and we had our own ways of, you know, looking at things. I mean, Matt Turner, Sojourner Truth, Harriet Tubman, you know, um, there are countless men and women who were inspired by their faith in God to, um, to fight for freedom, to you know, help their fellow, you know, their fellow black people, you know, slaves, free, right. what have right. you. I mean, there was one woman, um, she, uh, I, I forget her name, but, like, she taught some outrageous number of of slaves and former slaves how to read, you know. Mm-hmm. This was very dangerous exactly. work for her, but she did it, you know what I mean, because she felt that she was obligated to, you know, per her reading exactly. of the Bible. Right, and so, you know, that goes, and that's wonderful, and we want you guys to look that up and to read that. We did another series, um, basically a three-part series, The God Concept, in which we broke down, you know, the difference between the black church and the white church and what it means and what, you know, how people perceive things because, honestly, in a lot of different situations, when certain people talk, Depending on who you are, you can hear two different things. And you know, not we are not saying that the black community is a monolith. You know, that's one of the questions that been that's been thrown out in a really roundabout kind of way. No, the black community is not a monolith. No, the Latino community is not a monolith. No, the white community is not a monolith. It's so on and so forth. So you know, you have different people who see things differently, but. Um, yeah, you know, they subscribe to, you know, Christianity because in many cases, if you all go back and you read Dr. Hutchinson's book, especially Moral Combat, Moral Combat broke it down quite eloquently about how some of the slaves were promised their freedom if they converted to Christianity, and others were promised their freedom if they fought in a revolutionary war. And some slaves were free. They freed a few of them, but not very many of them. They reneged on all of those things. So you have to go back and look at that history. But in addition to that, you know, Africans had their own 
you know, spirituality. They brought that over here with them, and a lot of that was interwoven within Christianity. You know, like certain churches you go to, and if you see them doing a circle dance, I mean, and some of that is kind of indicative for those of you that are familiar with black frats and sororities. When you go to the college parties and you would see them dance in a circle, it's called a circle dance. And I'm not going to go into the sorority fraternity thing, but um, the circle dance came from Africa. And it was, it was a part of their tradition. It was a part of their ceremony. So, you know, I want you to go and, and look that up and understand why certain things were incorporated within Christianity and why there are certain things that are done even within the black church now. Mm-hmm. So, right now. Okay. So, right now. <laughs> I'm sorry if I didn't keep going. Um, oh yeah, no, yeah. No, I was just, you know, I just wanted to, you know, pique their interest because I want them to go and to look that up. I mean, you know, I just want you all to understand fully, you know, what's happening and how certain things have been incorporated, where they came from, what they mean. You know, I posted videos about the circle dance because, you know, I was watching um, some of the Gullah people from, you know, South Carolina. And they were they have these festivals and they were performing the circle dance and they had the drums out there. The women were you know dressed in their traditional garb and man, it was just beautiful. It was beautiful. There are certain aspects of religion that I still find astounding and beautiful. And especially when you go different places and you see the videos, and that's what I love about the technology and the Internet, people are able to share these things a little bit more freely. And it makes me more appreciative, especially when I go back and I do the research and I see where it came from and what it means. You know, there have been people that have um, traced their genealogy back to West Africa, um, and they've gone back, and they've realized that some of the, the traditions that are within their culture here in America, when they go back to their, you know, places of birth in West Africa, they're doing the same things over here. Even though it's 400, 400, 500 years later, there are still some commonalities. And, you know, it was beautiful when I was watching those videos because, you know, the West Africans were saying, that is my brother, that is my sister. We we share so many things. You know, they, it was just, just it's beautiful. We, I'm just talking from a cultural standpoint. Mm-hmm. No, um, absolutely. So, um, so, yeah, so that's why we have our own groups. Uh, and no, you know, no one is really excluding white people because we call ourselves a black atheist. No, we're not self-segregating. Get over it. You know, some some. I'm just going to be frank about it, just like I wrote in my in my blog. Um, you know, some white people are just offended at the notion that their inclusion is not like, you know, assumed. You know. That that they're mm-hmm. not that it's not obligatory somehow, and some in some way people have this I, this notion, and they're not going to they're not going to admit to it obviously, but some way people have this this feeling like if they um, are not somehow involved, that it's not that whatever you're doing is not valid, you know, or that like if there's some concept or there's some um, idea that's out there that somehow if they don't endorse it or if it's not endorsed by white people, but somehow it's not valid. And um, 
you know, that, that, you know, that's an argument from authority, if you will. You know what I mean? And, you know, I just think that some people need to check their privilege when they're asking certain questions and when they're um, making certain kinds of arguments. Um, you don't know what you're saying, but people like myself know what you're saying. You know, so, so think exactly. these things. But you got to remember. You got to remember logical fallacies are only applicable to um, Christians, right? Right? <laughs> 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 Moving on. <laughs> anyway. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> so my next question in my blog was, what if I go and start a white atheist group? And just like on my blog, it says, go start one, because then I don't have to, add, you know, guess which group I don't have to avoid, you know, or I have to avoid. Because, you know, any group that would put, you know, excuse me, I'm sorry, you know, white people are the are a majority group the default. in the sense the that default. right they're they're the default they're the default they're the majority group they're in power they're privileged you know what I mean pretty much any situation um, that doesn't say explicitly you know Asian or Black or whatever or Latino or whatever <clears throat> is going to assume whiteness you know what I mean that is that's the default that's that's what is represented it it happens in the media. It happens in, you know, literature. It happens everywhere, you know. So, you know, let's not pretend like there aren't spaces that white people can, can be, you know, can come together and, you know, do things together and what have you. You know what I mean? And some of those spaces don't have white in the names, but they're still just as exclusionary. You know, when you think about, you know, country clubs and things along those lines, you know, there there are still very many you know, places in this country that are still, you know, whites only for all intents and purposes. You know what I mean? Exactly. Black groups, Asian groups, and what have you, they have never said whites, uh, blacks only, Asians only, what have you. Even the NAACP, you know what I mean? Even the Black mm-hmm. Panthers, which most white people associate some, or somehow, you know, think is the equivalent of the of the KKK for some reason, the Black Panthers had white members. They had Asian and members. Asian members, yeah, Asian and, members like yeah, Asian members, like the young lords. Yeah, I'm just going to yeah. say the young lord was an yeah. offshoot of the Black Panthers. That was a Puerto Rican right. um, offshoot, Puerto Rican Latino offshoot of the Black Panthers. Geraldo Rivera was their attorney. You know, that's how Geraldo Rivera got his start when he was the attorney for them, and the DuPont Foundation saw him and sent him back to journalism school at Columbia University. So, I mean, you know, you go back and you look at the history, but um, if you really want to look something up, um, look up Yellow Peril Black Power, and that's talking about some of the Asians that were part of the Black Panther and stood in solidarity with them, the young lords in Black Panthers. Those were some of the Latinos that stood, you know, next to the Black Panthers. Your children would not be getting free breakfast at school if it wasn't for the Black Panthers. You wouldn't be getting WIC if it wasn't for the Black Panther. It was a good organization. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, it's... um. You know, it's just you just need to do some self-education and read up on these things and not just take what people tell you about them or what you've heard about them at face value. Um, 
so yeah, so we already addressed that we are Af- all African to sing. I'm not addressing that anymore. This period, you're not. <laughs> you say you say we're all Africans. I'm walking away from you. That's it. <laughs> like that's the end of our conversation. Um, let's see. Um, why are black people Christian when Christianity is forced on black people through the institution of slavery? We addressed some of that already. Um, you know, there are also um, other the same reasons that white people attend church are a lot of the same reasons black people attend church, with some with some exceptions. You know, there are some things that are cultural. You know about you know the black church that uh-huh. um, you know that you that a lot of us relate to whether or not we believe in God and some people and then there's also the fact that churches provide you know daycare services sometimes they have schools um, they have you know you know program they 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 participate in a lot of the government programs which we talked about several times you know in um, you know like lights and heat assistance. Um, things like mm-hmm. that. Um, there's also there's also studies that have demonstrated that people who that black people who attend church or low income people that attend church um, generally have um, more um, you know are, are are generally better about taking care of their health in, in many right. ways than people right. who do not attend church. And it's it's because of that socialization to a certain degree, but it's also because there's networking opportunities and churches sometimes even provide things like health fairs and, you know, um, and because of the fictive kinship and things like that that goes on within churches, people are able to, um, to come in contact with, you know, different, with members of different classes. In most black churches, you'll find that there are people in, in the, you know, the upper classes, the middle classes, and the lower classes all attending churches together. That doesn't necessarily always happen within white churches. Generally, white churches are pretty much stratified, uh, you know, along class lines. But in black churches, that's not necessarily the case. And so, if I'm someone who doesn't have health insurance, I might actually run into a dentist or a doctor at my church who's willing to treat me for free or at lower cost. You know what I mean? Exactly. You know, exactly. there are some, and, pla- there are some and, places where they actually will still, where some people will actually even barter with you. You know what I yes. mean? Yes. In some of these yes. congregations. So you might do some work for them and they might, they might fix your teeth. You know what I mean? Exactly. I've seen it. I've, I've seen it happen. So, you know, we have to keep these things in mind. They're, they're, the church it does a lot more than just serve as a building where people go to pray in the black community. Exactly. You know, go ahead, Ken. Exactly. Oh, yeah, and I was just going to say, you know, I can't speak for any other group, but I can speak for black skeptics group, you know, and Dr. Hutchison's group. I know there are a lot of things that we are doing now and we plan to do even more i mean you know and and you know i'm just going to be honest with you guys you know sometimes i visit some of these shows um you know christian shows just to see what they're talking about and sometimes to converse with them i've helped quite a few of these christians out I've given them information on how to put together a health fair. I've given them information on how to bring the dental and the medical vans to their towns to help their members. And, you know, I've had a couple of, you know, non-believers that got angry with me saying, why are you helping them? And then I turned around and said, but what exactly are you doing? We have to do better. We have to do better until I see the atheist community putting forth a concerted, sincere effort. 
I will continue to help Christians do these things. Now, mind you, they're progressive liberal, you know, um, you know, um, pastors and, you know, um, ministers that I'm talking with. But the thing is, is that, you know, it's about the community. It's about helping people. So, you know, the dental van or the health van will come there, and they get free services. And, you know, I've talked to them, and they said, you know, we'll be lines down the block. These are things that would, these are free. You just have to schedule it and get the permit. It's just that simple. And, 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 you know, what frustrates me is when I hear some of these, you know, mainstream atheists and, you know, especially when they get to asking questions like what is the black atheist community going to do about black-on-black crime, and we'll address that shortly. That's the next question I want to address. But the thing is is that, you know, the default has been, you know, white atheists. In particular, white, heterosexual, male, wealthy atheists. Um, that's been the, the general stereotype, you know. And they have not addressed any of the social justice issues that are prevalent. And we've talked about, you know, why should they? That's not within their purview. Um, some of them care. Some of them don't. And... That is one of the reasons why some of us have our own groups because, you know, there's a lot of help that is needed in the in the community. And, you know, what I find ironic is some of these mainstream organizations point the finger at the black church and ask them why aren't they doing anything to help the black community. Some of these churches are doing things to help the black community, you know, and, and, and they're doing wonderful work out there. I will not take that away from them. I encourage them, and I will go out and help them. You know, and I don't have a problem with it, and I'm, but I'm not going to join your, you know, we hate gays line. That's not going to happen. If it's one of those churches, I, you know, I, I leave them alone. But the thing is is that they're helping. So, you know, when when I hear people pointing the finger at the black church trying to talk about all of these so-called pathologies in the black community, and that's another section that we'll get to in a minute, my thing is what is the atheist community. And when I say atheist community, I'm talking about all of us, black, white, yellow, red, orange, purple, blue. What are we doing? And slowly I'm starting to see some of these groups break off and do things in the community. It's a slow rolling ball, but they're trying to do something, so I'll give credit when it's due. You know, Doctors Without Borders, ACLU, you know, you have Flash, you have, you know, a number of, you know, different organizations. You get um, black skeptics in, you know, um, in Los Angeles. They have the First in the Family Humanist Scholarships. If you want to donate to that, blackskeptics at gmail.com, blackskeptics at gmail.com. That's the PayPal. And, you know, I'm starting to see some progress. But there's a lot of resources in this community. We can do so much better. Go ahead, Irina. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you know, I can go on and go off about that. Because, I know. You know it, I know. I know. I was. I, I was. Just, I was just listening and enjoying. But um. But yeah. So. So yeah. So that's you know that's just you know one of the things that you have to keep in mind is um. You know that th- there's more that we could be doing over here. Um. 
you know, not to say that you can't criticize the black church at all. Um, and I think we've done right. a fair amount of criticizing the black church on this show. So um, I don't think anyone is going to um, accuse us of being the, the the biggest defenders of the black church and the atheist community. But, um, but yeah, um, or the, you know, the, the main defenders of the black church, period. But um, in any case, um, you know, just get to know, like, some of the different reasons. You know, it's like uh, some of the reasons are – you know, the same reasons that white people go to church. But some of them, the, the other of them are, um, have to do with, you know, combating sort of racial stereotypes and um, and these so-called pathologies and, di- and dichotomies that um, white supremacy has put into place. You know, there's this notion that, you know, um, you know notions that uh, whiteness is associated with logic and, you know, blackness is associated with intuition or... Um, you know, or emotionality or whatever, you know, or being emotional, what have you. Um, you know, that whiteness is associated with, you know, technology and, you know, um, blackness or, you know, people of color are associated with, you know, things that are primitive. Um, you know, these these dichotomies are still um, a part of our, our modern consciousness. Um, and, um, and, and we're in some ways, you know, part of why... Um, why when Christianity was forced on black people, it was forced on black people because, you know, slavery was thought to be a civilizing institution or, or was said to be a civilizing institution by those who defended it. And they were supposed to be making black people, you know, more acceptable, more um, more right. civilized, more, right. you know, more uh, less savage, you know, and more uh, docile, you know, uh, less violent and more nonviolent. You know, and so these were the things um, that were used um, to defend slavery. And you find some of the same language goes on even in in, in some of the uh, atheist discussions about Christian or about the black community and Christians and why is Christianity so good? Why does you know why is there black on black crime and what have you? Without really understanding the sociological underpinnings of crime, and this is a group of of people who consider themselves to be intellectuals and you know the intellectual superiors of religious people. You know, so it, it, at a certain point, I as a person of color get very irritated listening to. Um, you know, secularists in this community, um, many secularists in this community. There are many who, you know, have obviously come around to the to the notion that, you know, um, simply um, simply, uh, you know, coming to the conclusion that there probably is no God um, or that there is no God is not is not sufficient to make one an intellectual. Um, exactly. You know, so so there's a lot of respectability politics and whatnot that come into play with why black people attend church. You know, they want to they don't want to be associated with negative stereotypes about um, you know black women being Jezebels or black men being brutes. You know, we we want oh, to be seen cool. in our. Sorry, go ahead, Kim. Oh no 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 no! Go ahead. They want to be seen. I was just I was just signifying back here. Go ahead. Okay okay. I was gonna say, um, seen in in um in their full humanity. You know what I mean? They want to be seen as full human persons, and um and unfortunately, to a certain degree, um, some of us have gone overboard with wa- uh, wanting mm-hmm. to um, you know, combat those stereotypes, and so some of right. us um, right. we right. um perform right. you know 
this sanctimony and this um, mm-hmm. this sort of Christian, this sort of conservative Christianity that is very um, uh, exclusionary. You know, we exclude people who um, are you know gay and lesbian, you know, or trans. Mm-hmm. We exclude people who, um, and, and some of us, you know, exclude and attack people who are, you know, say uh, single mothers and people who have HIV and AIDS. Exactly. You know, um, you know, they're they're. So, so some of us in, in trying to combat those stereotypes have gone overboard, and there and there are a lot of people who who've done that. But there are some secularists who've done the exact same thing, you know. To the, I mean, so have done the exact same thing, you know, to the point of, um, you know, uh, not 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 based on the on any biblical tradition necessarily, you know what I mean? Right. But wanting to divorce themselves of some of the. Um, the negative stereotypes of the black community by trying to adopt this um, very Eurocentric, um, you know, very uh, a very Eurocentric, uh, you know, mainstream atheist posture that you know um, regards the black community as somehow um, lacking in critical thinking and um, and and what have yeah. you, and it's and it's very um, it's very toxic and yep, it's. Yep. Um, and it's very abusive, and yes. it's something that we need to check within um, our communities of color, that we don't um, end up otherizing the community from which we come and, and try exactly. to really understand and try to really understand our history and really focus on understanding, you know, the sociology and, you know, we're supposed to be secularists, we're supposed to be skeptics, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we need to be looking at things like facts, you know what I mean? I know, I know. There's a lot of facts out there, and we've talked about some of them with, you know, policy and housing and education and what have you. Um, so we just encourage you to, you know, you know, disabuse yourselves of these notions of black-on-black violence as somehow being, you know, more prevalent than, you know, any other form of violence. You know, violence occurs, you know, where people live, and where do people exactly who are black and brown live, they tend to live in communities that are black and brown. You know what I mean? Um, oh, yeah. You know, where do poor yeah. people live? They live in communities that are poor. You know what I mean? So that's where the crimes are going to happen, you know? Yes. And, you um, know, and I know Tim is about to, you know, talk about – yeah, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I was saying, I know Tim wants to jump in here and talk about, you know, white-on-white white crime. We did a show on white-on-white white crime and stuff, so I'll let Kim go and talk about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, go back to the archives and you'll see white on white crime view um view Raina's blog. You know, she puts the link in there directly for you guys. But, you know, I gotta pull it back a little bit because, you know, for those that are familiar, you know, I don't let atheists off the hook. I don't let them off the hook. You know, I'm always doing a comparative analysis. So, here we go. With respectability politics, you know, Raina went into it about both sides. And what I find interesting with, you know, and I'm talking about black atheists, and I've seen some brown atheists do this as well. So, you know, I'm pointing the finger at all of you guys that do this. Um, What I find interesting is some of these people basically become disengaged from their own communities. And and it plays into that respectability politics, whereas, you know, sometimes their words and their actions are like, I'm not like those people. 
I'm different. Mm-hmm. I'm different. Right. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. They still see you. Yeah, I mean, sorry, Tim, let me jump in there real quick. Let me, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something about Let me tell you something about being black and being a black atheist. You cannot get out of a stop and frisk by saying, I'm an atheist. You know what I mean? Well, I'm different. Exactly. You know what I mean? Or I'm a black mm-hmm. atheist, so I'm different. You can't get out of those sorts of situations. You don't, you know, you don't stop discrimination by saying, oh, I'm different, because it has nothing to do with, you know, you know, the sorts of beliefs that you have or the way that you behave. It's about who you are, you know? Exactly. It's about what color you are. So when you, when you get rid of that idea in your head that somehow that being different makes you better, that somehow that you'll be treated differently, you'll, you'll really help yourself out, I promise. So Exactly. Oh, yeah, no, and, and that's the truth. And, you know, what upsets me, you know, in particular with some of some of the black atheists out there, uh, especially some of the posers, that, you know, they point the finger at the black community and some of the abuse that has come down from the white atheist community. You have some of these black atheists agreeing with it. I'm sorry, that billboard was unacceptable for a number of reasons. And I've talked about this before, but I'm going to break it down for the very last time. They sat down with the Jewish community and decided what billboard ad they were going to use. They sat down with the Muslim community and came to a consensus as to what billboard they would use. But nothing was said to the black leadership in the black community about what billboard they were going to use. See, if it had been equal opportunity offense, maybe I would have been a little bit more accepting to a degree, but it was the blatant disregard. And what they did afterwards was they they polled a couple of people, you know, black atheists in this community, but they polled them by telling them that they would give them free things and feature them. So, of course, they're going to agree with that. But in some cases, some of these people want to be different. We're not like those people over there. They're, They're becoming more and more disconnected from the community from which they came. And, you know, I think it's a shame. You know, it's, it's, it's a mistake. And I am just putting the caveat out there because I believe it's going to come back to bite them. And we've been telling them, and it's, it's just interesting. But, I mean, everybody, you know, you, you can do as you wish. You can do as you please. However, at the end of the day, um, what I see is, you know, a lot of atheists, you know, of all colors, pointing the finger at the black Christian community, in the black community, but more so the black Christian community, and telling them that they're stupid or they're worthless or they're shiftless or any of these negative things when that's not true. However, they're constantly beating them down. How do you expect anyone to have a civil, productive conversation with you if you're constantly abusing them? 
You're not. Right. You're not going to be able to have that conversation. And it, it, it stirs up resentment, bitterness, and anger. And the whole thing, you know, we just have to rethink a lot of what we're saying, a lot of what we're doing. I'll be the first one to admit I used to be angry like that. I did that. I've apologized. I've apologized to the individual people. I've done apologies on the air. I was wrong. But as you grow and you educate yourself and you're educated by others, to know better is to do better. And... You know, I can really go on about this, but you, many of you already know my sentiments. Go check out the archives. But, no, um, there is no such thing as black-on-black crime. There is no such thing as white-on-white crime. Crime is crime. And people commit crimes where it's convenient. You're not going to catch three buses, two trains, and a cab to go commit a crime. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> that's not how that works. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I want you to keep that in mind, people. It's just, you know, yeah. we have to do better. You know, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I see Deborah in the house. I see you. We're, we're just, you know, we're going to, we probably will take calls, but just not right now, honey, but we see you. But um, it's, it's just, you know, is 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 disconcerting, and we have to do better, honey. Go ahead. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And um. So yeah. So we've we talked a little bit about you know respectability politics, and you know that's another reason why you know um you know black people go to church, and you know why that is instilled in us. You know people want um. You know, I mean, in so, in some communities, some people really just go to church. Like they may not they may not believe in it anymore, but they really just go to church just to keep up appearances. You know what I exactly. mean? Good good exactly. good churches. Good good families go to church. You know what I mean? Good you know uh, good girls go to church. You know what I mean? You know, California. Don't let me find some church in California that has a good ass kitchen that those people know how to cook. Yeah, I'm going to show up every once in a while for a meal. Hell, yeah. I'll sit through two hours of torture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you'll be doing that by yourself. But um, in any case. Also, I like, I, like, um, I, like, I like the quiet. I know. We talked about it. We talked about it. Yeah, we talked about it. I mean, but no, but on a serious tip, though, like some people, some people, some places, you really, you know, you really hurt yourself. You know what I mean? And right. people's perception of you. If you exactly. don't go to church, you know what I mean. So, um, yeah, you know, and and there, and I mean, and if you really, and if you really want to read, like, you know, and read and know about it, there's like a lot of African American literature. You know what I mean? I mean, go go and read, go and read. Um, their eyes were watching God, for example. You know what I mean? That whole book is about respectability politics, essentially. You know, and how you know how she was perceived, how her grandmother raised her. You know how. You know, it was a scandal for her to go off with tea cake. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. all of those sorts of things. Read Sister Citizen, you know. Um, yes. You know, read Clean to Manny. You know, read these books because these books give you an idea of the sorts of, of how of how basically, you know, black and, and pe- black people and people, you know, people of color, you know, immigrants and what have you, have really been working towards whiteness. 
You know what I mean? That's what we've mm-hmm. been working towards. We've been working towards acceptance, towards being defined as Americans and not racialized right. others, as not as not being defined as criminals, not being defined as threats. You know what I mean? That is what most of us have been working towards. Now, some of us have decided that we're not playing that game. <laughs> we don't want to, you know, try to – uh, chase after an ideal that will that you know will never rescue us, that will never save us, that was not created for us. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. some of us are resisting that, and we're just trying to be who we are as full human beings without paying attention to that to that foolishness exactly. and calling it out where we find it. So um, right, we're just trying to know, be as authentic that. as we possibly can. We did a show on yes. social construction. That was the name of the show: yes. social construction. Go to the archives, and we talk about social constructs. Race, in and of itself, on its face, is a social construct. We understand that. It has value because we assign it value. But this is not a system that we devised. We did not devise this hierarchy. You know, we were forced to live under it. And the thing is, is that, you know, I did a show on colorism, and I talked about it, you know, uh, from not only, you know, an American's perspective, but, you know, I talked about how it's prevalent all over the world. Um, You know, and all of this is a byproduct of colonialism. And, you know, we, we talked about this, and it's important for you all to understand, you know, how this came about, get familiar with the terminology. Um, we, we break it down. We break it down, and you can always inbox or call us or email us. That's not an issue. But You can call and inbox and email Kim. You can't always with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ginger snaps and lemonade, baby. But, um, yeah. you know, <laughs> but, um, it's, you know, you know, we're just trying to help. And, you know, we're learning as well. You know, learning is an everyday process. I try to learn something new every day, and trust me, I do, you know, three, four, five times a day. But, you know, I just know that we can do better. Um, um, I was, we were talking about the black-on-black crime, the white-on-white crime, social constructs. We've talked about public policies. we talked about the need for us to have our own group. And, oh, I'll, I want to redress that, actually, um, about us having needing to have our own groups. Again, the stereotype for atheists, again, and I've stated this earlier in the show, white male, white heterosexual, wealthy male, at that. And there are a lot of people of color that don't believe, but they don't feel comfortable you know, joining some of these larger organizations. So we have our own groups. But this is working towards the benefit of all. And I don't see how you all can't see that because it's not as though we don't participate in activities that the mainstream organizations have. We do. I was all at the Reason Rally and had a good time. You know, there are quite a few of us that go to the conferences and the conventions. You know, one of the issues is but, you don't have enough the people. Problem, to but I can tell you what the problem is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the problem is. I'm going to get ready to go there, but you go ahead. Yeah, no, the problem is is that they don't want us to have our own agenda. Right. You know what I mean? They want us exactly. to they want us to to, you know, put our agenda on the back burner in favor of their agenda because they see their agenda as, 
this thing of atheist rights. And my whole thing is, is like, while certainly religion, country is privileged. You know what I mean? No one doubt, no one can can argue against that. Um, you know, white atheists in this community they don't expen- experience you know race you know racial discrimination the way that we experience racial discrimination. And some of them actually um, are having the same issues that some of the Tea Partiers are having. And you know, some of the people were having right after emancipation, you know, and the um, Reconstructionist period. You know, some people are okay. resentful of civil rights games, and um, and they're very, you know, uncomfortable by the um, influx of, you know, of immigrants, you know, including Latino immigrants. And I think sometimes we have to, um, you know, divorce the, the term um, immigrant from Latino. I know that's the way that the media usually represents it, but there's all kinds of immigrants, you know, to this country. And so we cannot ignore the fact that there are immigrants from elsewhere. But... um that are also being exactly. discriminated against and deported. Um, and so I think, like, for them, um, you know, it, it, it's a, a way of kind of um, eliminating the discussions, you know what I mean, about mm-hmm. um, civil rights and what have you, which are very difficult discussions to have. They're discussions that make people uncomfortable because it questions their privilege, and um, they're more comfortable, you know, dealing with, this question of atheist, you know, rights, you know what I mean, which really amounts exactly. to uh, we want to put up a couple more monuments, and um, you know, we want to make we want to force the, the notary, the first notary we come in contact with at the bank, to stamp our things and not wait for the second one. You know what I mean? That's essentially right. what atheist rights boils down to in, in the atheist community. So. You know, exactly, and you know, and you're absolutely correct. You know, when you talk about immigrants, it's not just Latinos. We have white immigrants. We have immigrants coming from Ireland and Poland and all of those places. We have immigrants from Africa. Yeah, but Africa I didn't I necessarily Ireland. talking from them. Yeah, but I'm I'm mainly uh, talking no, no, no. people of color who are immigrants because those are the those are the ones that are primarily being discriminated against. So. Oh yeah, but no, I was going to make a point. Right. No, yeah. and I mean, I understand about people, but the thing is, is that with some of the, you know, Polish and Irish immigrants, they have planes that leave, you know, O'Hara Airport here in Chicago and all over the country, full of these people. They come here, they work, they get their pension, their Social Security, then they go back to their country. No one ever pulls them over and demands their papers. No one pulls them over and asks them all these questions. You know, they have a lower risk of being deported. That's where I was going with that. But, um, you know, um, even though the face of immigration has been painted in the media to be, you know, Latino, this has been going on for a while. I want you all to look up Cesar Chavez, and I also want you to look up Fred Roth. And this has been going on forever, but those gentlemen – you know, um, did a lot for immigration rights. They did a lot for Latino civil rights. They were some of the best activists and legendary activists and organizers out there. So, you know, you know, I tried to acknowledge, you know, the Latino and the Asian and the Native, you know, um, activists and organizers and leaders when I can. I want us to be as well-versed as possible. So you all look that up. Get to know something about somebody other than yourself. Yeah, 
that's, that's all I was going to say about that. Because, you know, the immigration thing is a hot button topic. And, you know, and it all boils down to jobs. When we talked about Wilmington, when we talked about domestic terrorism, part of the privileged mutiny series, um, and, you know, there's a lot of that happening during slavery. A lot of people don't realize that some of the plantations were attacked by poor whites because they felt that the slaves were doing jobs they could have been doing and getting paid for, you know, um, when, you know, after the emancipation of slaves, excuse me, a lot of towns and cities that were started by blacks or, you know, dwelled in by blacks, um, they were attacked because, you know, some of the poor whites or even some of the business owners that were in direct competition with some of the black business owners were threatened and they burned down the businesses, killed people, ran them out of town. Um, you know, it, it, there are a lot of different issues there. And to be honest with you, I see it happening now when you have these people conducting these marches, um, have these people patrolling cities and towns, you know, like they're a militia with their open weapons, you know. Um, it's just a lot of that happening now, you know, the state of the economy. There aren't a lot of jobs. You know, you have three applicants for one job, you know, and it was more than that. It's gotten a little bit better. But, you know, no one is addressing, you know, the corporate welfare and what's happening with the, you know, the tax, you know, loopholes and all of that. But, you know, I just I just think it's interesting. Um, we just want you all to keep your eyes open because there are parties in this community that are actively recruiting people from the Tea Party, recruiting people from, you know, some of these other organizations, and some of these people are outright racist, outright sexist, outright anti-Semitic, outright homophobic, so on and so forth. Keep your eyes open. Pay attention. Open your mouth. Say something. Right. So, um, so getting back to the FAQ, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think we pretty much covered most of the topics. Um, you know, I'll just say, like, for the for the audience at home, like, when we talk about the civil rights movement. Oh, sorry. I there's two more things I want to address. There's the Uncle Tom thing. We, I, you, please pay attention to that Uncle Tom section. Okay, because first you need to know who Uncle Tom was. You know, most you know you should have read Uncle Tom's Cabin in high school. You know what I mean. But in case you missed it, Uncle Tom is not the Uncle Tom that we uh, use in a you know in modern vernacular. You know, to um, basically call someone out as a race traitor. That's not um, that's not what Uncle Tom was meant to be. That was a caricature that was made by the um, vaudeville circuit and the um, minstrel shows. So you have to know your history a little bit. Um, but furthermore, you know, um, if you're talking about race traders, there certainly are a number of, you know, uh, people in the church who were race traders, but, there are certain, but most Christians are not, you know, and black Christians are not. Um, and I say there were a few, um, and I'm thinking about um, there's a documentary called um, Spies in Mississippi, and there was a and it's about basically the the spy program that the state of Mississippi implemented to monitor the civil rights movement, and there were um, there was actually one um, minister 
a prominent minister down in Mississippi who was actually involved in this spying program, um, you know, for a lot of reasons. For one, he didn't think that the civil rights movement would succeed at all. Um, for, and two, he wanted to be on the right side um, so that he would um, be able to benefit, you know, have some, have some money, have some privilege, you know, for um, helping to, uh, to put down the civil rights movement. So, um, you know, there were people who were like him, and there were some, there were some who did not like the, the idea of the civil rights movement. They enjoyed the power that they had, the prestige that they had, and they didn't want integration. They, thought, they saw integration as a threat to their power within the black community. So um, you have to, um, you know, go and check that out and learn something about it, read up on Uncle Tom, read the blogs that I linked to, um, and stop calling black Christians Uncle Tom, more importantly. Um, And then the next thing I wanted to deal with was um, what role did the church play in the civil rights movement? So Mm -hmm. it's not not really a black and white sort of thing, you know. Some churches participated. A lot of churches didn't, you know what I mean? Um, Right. It's very popular for for churches nowadays to take, um, or for the black church in general, to take credit for the civil rights Mm -hmm. movement, um, even even Mm -hmm. when they weren't involved. Um, Right. It's kind of like it's kind of like Grandpa in that episode of the the Boondocks when he was talking about how he uh, he how he was you know set upon by dogs and fire hoses and what have you, and it turned out that he didn't even make it. (laughs) Right. He didn't even make it down there. Right, right, right. The whole thing is just hilarious. And, I mean, that's the same thing happening in this this community, you know, 5, 10, 20, 50 years from now when we've made some significant progress. You know, you're going to have some of these same people out there saying that I was a part of that. And, you know, we work together. And you were one of the main people out here pointing the finger and you know, claiming that you know, uh, you know, making you know, otherwise claims. I'm just going to leave that alone. However, um, you know, all right. So we're down to. I'm, I'm, you see, I'm trying to. I'm trying to be good. We're down to our last 27 minutes, um, and there's so much that needs to be addressed from that. Okay. Podcast from yeah, okay, the other so night. we're going to go to the podcast. Okay, so we're going for the yeah, podcast. But, but okay. let's start with the, the N-word. Let's, let's, you know, because, I mean, <laughs> that's on your blog, and it was also a part of the podcast. You know, you can say yeah. the N-word, but I can't. That's not fair. Yeah, so on the Thinking Atheist uh, podcast, they had someone call in about the N-word. Um, now, this is the Thinking Atheist podcast, Rise of Secularism, a black secularism, for those of you that are interested. So, um so, yeah, basically, when it comes to the N-word, no, you just can't say it. I mean, or you, I mean, it's not like you physically can't say it or, like, I'm going to, you know, come and find you or something. No, you can't say it. <laughs> and the reason why you should or you shouldn't say it is because, you know, that's a word that was used to dehumanize black people. That's a word that's associated with violence against black people, um, particularly in the form of lynching, you know, Um and it's not it's a word that has been used to systematically dehumanize us and the fact that there are some black people who use that word or use a different version of that word or you know a different definition for that word then um 
you know, than was previously used does not mean that it's now acceptable for right. white people to say it. I don't care what Quentin Tarantino tells you. It's just not. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, you know, um, frankly, when it comes to me and when it comes, to, and I know when it comes to a lot of other black people, you know, I I know that if someone uses that word around me, I don't feel like I have any expectation of safety because of the history of that word and the way that it was used. So I'm not saying that that's going to um, definitely going to provoke an, a violent response from me, but I'm just telling you that, you know, you say it around me, you should have no expectation of safety either you know because at that point um, because at that point I'll be on edge and you know you you if you look like you're going to do something you know it's going to provoke a reaction from me so and I can answer from that standpoint I'm going to report it as a hate crime and then I'm going to sue you so I'm Mm -hmm. making sure you understand Okay. Oh, that might happen too. I'm just letting you know. I'm just letting you know that it, you know, depending upon the situation in which I find myself, you know, I I don't. I no longer have an expectation of private of safety. And if I have no expectation of safety, and I, you know, you do something that makes me feel less safe, you know, that could not. That could be a bad situation for you. You know. Right. You have every right to defend yourself. Period. Period. Exactly. That is your right to defend yourself. Right. But and you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. A it's, word. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and there are a lot of other words that are associated with that word. You know, I remember one time a situation I was in, and you know, a young white male called me a DN, and it was a group of white folks, yeah. and I was the only black person there. And, you know, they kind of got quiet and was snickering a little bit. And I said, at the end, he says, yes, you're a DN. And I said, a dumb nigger? Because I knew that's what it meant. Mm-hmm. And he turned bright red purple. And he was like, no, it means damn nice. And I'm like, yeah, and all the white people are uncomfortable. Right. And, and, and I just walked away. So, and uh, you know, the of, whole- there's a lot of other words that are being used in very similar ways, like Canadian, you know, is right. being used in some in some circles to refer to black people as as a racial slur. You know, there's so there's all right. sorts of words that are being used. Don't use them. You know what I mean? Especially don't use them and, and think that we're not going to call you a racist. You know what I mean? Or that we're not going to call you out. We're going to call you out. Um, so that's called you know, racist that. does not make us racist. Let's clear that up, too. Right. It's not oh and it's not reverse racism to tell someone that they can't use the word nigger or that they shouldn't use the word nigger. Let's clear that up too while we while we're on the subject because I saw Dusty Smith do a lot of this um when he did the Uncle Tom's versus niggers uh, or Uncle Tom's versus um you know black atheist or whatever video that was. I forget what it was. It was stupid. You don't you know black don't waste your time. But yeah, black Christians are Uncle Tom. Whatever. It was foolishness. You know what I mean? Right. At the end of the day. But um but in any case, you know, he was um you know, people were telling him not to say it and he was accusing them of reverse racism. First, the term reverse racism. When you use the term reverse racism, what you're telling me is that even black that black people are so stupid that they can't get racism right. Because racism right. isn't they're aiming racism at the wrong people. 
They shouldn't right. be aiming it at white people. They should be aiming it at themselves. That's what you're telling me. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And racism should should only go towards you know people of color. That's one what way. you're telling me. Right. right. One way. But um, but yeah, it's it's not reverse racist. We're talking about a word that's used to dehumanize people. If you want to dehumanize people, you know what I mean. I'm not saying that you cannot dehumanize people. I'm saying that you should not dehumanize people. It's not it's not right. a good thing to do. And why you'd want to dehumanize people, you know, you need to answer that. You know what I mean? That's not something for me to answer. Okay? So think exactly. about it. Think about why you want to use that word, you know? Exactly. But in any case, so, we're moving on. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, 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 the N-word. Um, and, and you know what? Go out and read. Open a book. Open a book, read, Google it, bing it, whatever. Um, it's not our job to fully educate you on these things. If you're sincerely wanting answers and an understanding, look it up. Look it up, please. Um, and, and let's talk about um, that Frederick Douglass, Jeremiah Wright comparison in the rock and roll horror show, that bullshit. They came out of okay. Christopher Hitchens. <laughs> okay. So um, Seth from the Thinking Atheist um, made a quote from um, Frederick Douglass, and I can't remember the exact uh, quote, but um, essentially he was saying that um, it was a quote from Frederick Douglass, critical of the church. And then he uh, made uh, someone, not Seth, not Seth, but another caller had mentioned something about Jeremiah Wright and um, being very uncomfortable President, you know, sat in Jeremiah Wright's church, blah, 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 blah. And, um, you know, I called in to that show, the Rise of, Rise of Black Secularism show, and I basically, you know, talked about how they, that Jeremiah comes from the same school of intellectual thought that Frederick Douglass came from. Frederick Douglass, when he uh, criticized the church, he wasn't simply criticizing the church, you know, to criticize the church. Um, you know, he was criticizing the church relative to it, it to the, so, and, and criticizing, you know, our, you know, the, the United States and its stance on things like, you know, freedom and equality as, you know, written in our founding documents and its ability to, and its, and its ongoing decision to hold slaves and to um, discriminate against people of color, or black people, rather. So, um, you know, when Jeremiah Wright was saying, damn, goddamn the United States, it wasn't him saying, like, the United States should burn and fire, you know, for, um, you know, for, you know, just being the United States, or he wasn't saying that the United States was a great Satan, but he was basically calling out the United States for its hypocrisy. You know, the same way that, you know, Martin Luther King called out the United States for its hypocrisy in Vietnam, you know, the way that he called out hypocrisy in the United States regarding, you know, its treatment of, you know, people of color, you know. These, all, all of these people are coming from the same intellectual tradition of, of using, you know, biblical language or, um, or criticism of the church um, or criticism of the United States government you know, in, in talking about issues of um, social justice, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that was what I was trying to get 
that's to understand. Um, particularly, like, in that particular quote that he used on the show, if you really listen to it, it is really not just about the church. You need to look at it within context. Okay? Exactly. Um, and unfortunately, a couple of people on that program um, then uh, decided to take what was meant to be a very serious critique of that, com- of that um, you know, that sort of uh, comparison that he was making, you know, to Jer- uh, Jeremiah Wright to a Rocky Horror, horror show um, from Christopher Hitchens, by the way, who knows very little about the black church, having not attended any and not being a part of it. Um, <laughs> um, right. And also having and also having some really, you know, disgusting views on, you know, the Islamic world. Um and um and and the defender of all things of the first Iraq war or over the second Iraq war. Um you know, it's it's just I, I it's it's just very irritating to me um to see people utilizing, you know, these uh, the words of Frederick Douglass in this way to make wholesale um, attacks on the church without understanding the context um, from which it was used. Mm-hmm. That criticism that he was making about the church in that particular speech is essentially the same criticism he made when he was talking about, you know, what the 4th of July means to a slave. Same criticism. It was, it was exactly. about racism and uh, prejudice and um, holding, you know, Christians accountable and holding the United States government accountable uh, for its failures. And that is what Jeremiah Wright was doing when he said, God damn America. Exactly. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize that Jeremiah um, Wright got that um, he was actually... Um, responding and taking some of those talking points from a speech given by a white legislator. That's the interesting thing about it. And no one ever said anything about, you know, part of that is out there, but no one addresses that. No one addresses, you know, uh, this in its proper and full context, since we want to talk about putting things in the proper perspective. No, because you know what it is? You know what it is, though? It it goes back to what I was saying about stereotypes and respectability politics. Um, You know, you know, I'm just going to be honest, you know, white people, because of this perception of black people as being, you know, brutish and savage and, you know, especially violent, um, a lot of... Black, uh, a lot of white people and, and, and our society in general is very uncomfortable with seeing black people angry, you know? Right. And, it, and, that, and that term, angry, you know, is a silencing tactic. Exactly. You know? it's, it's what they say when they, when, when they accuse black women of being angry, you know, as though that there's, there's no direction to our anger, as though there's no reason for our anger. Um, you know, we have reasons to be angry, you know what I mean? And a lot right. of times they're dismissed simply because people do not want to deal with the subject of our anger, which a lot of times has to do with, you know, social injustice, you know? Exactly. You know? exactly. And there is, you know, it's, and, and most of the time it's not anger, it's passion. It's passion. Mm-hmm. 
feeling passionate about, you know, certain things. And there are some things that, yes, we are angry about, and we we should be. So, to be honest with you, some of us aren't angry enough. No, you I know, in, in, in absolute truth. And But I want to make sure we hit some of these other points, you know, but, you know, absolutely, we want you to go back and look that up in a proper context. You know, um, right. Jeremiah Wright, um basically was, you know, riffing off of a speech given by a white legislator. Look it up. Look it up. Look it up. Yeah. You know, so right. it's, it's just interesting. So, but um, I want to yeah, talk about bootstrapping. Bootstrapping. Yeah. Yes, bootstrapping. Let's, let's talk we about bootstrapping. We already talked about bootstrapping. No. We talked about bootstrapping. <laughs> yeah, we talked about bootstrapping. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, we talked about bootstrapping. Essentially, essentially, you know, in a, in a nutshell, bootstrapping is, you know, is is what black people are told to do in in a country where, you know, they their labor was, you know, utilized for free, and mm-hmm. that labor and and the fruits of that labor, the land, the the fortunes and what have you, were passed down intergenerationally, while labor while policies in this country have 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 wiped out black wealth mm-hmm. on 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 numerous occasions where black exactly. people were terrorized um into exactly. leaving behind their land and their wealth um That's you know, right. murdered for their wealth in some cases in some cases and this is still going on today there are some places in this country where documents are 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 systematically destroyed whenever they're come across exactly you know, because some of those documents are, are demonstrate that lands and wealth or things like that were taken from black people exactly. because they're the original deeds, because they're the original, uh, you know, papers mm-hmm. of ownership and what have you. So, you exactly. know, the, the, whole, the whole notion that black people need to bootstrap their way to wealth is, is a farce. And you need to understand how, how policy, um, you know, creates wealth and creates poverty. And, and hold exactly. people down systemically. So, yeah, and let me jump in here real quick. You know, oh yeah, yeah. You know, bootstrapping is basically you we know got talking more about stuff we should to do. Because, Kim, come on. I know, but I think, but I gotta make a point. You know oh, about okay. you know being self-sustaining. It's a self-sustaining process. We've done that. Look up, you know, Black Wall Street. Look up Tulsa. Look up Wilmington. Numbers of examples out there. We did shows on this, you know. Um, yes, we built this up, and when I when I interviewed Christopher Everett, I'm like, we can build it up. We know how. The problem is, how do we protect it? Now, to give you a modern example of you know bootstrapping and what what goes wrong. Blacks accumulated a lot of wealth, a lot of real estate, a lot, you know, wealth and land ownership. What just happened with this last bubble that burst? You know, the fraudulent loans, the fraudulent mortgages. You know, there's a land grab going on now, just like there was, that's why Raina was talking about a lot of the original documents are being destroyed because it was land grabs then and now. It's happening even now. Okay, now we can move on. But I just wanted to give them a modern today example. As a matter of fact, I'm going to find an article that I read earlier. We do this all the time, though. We talk about this all the time for the people on the show. So, um, yeah, so go back in the archives. But in any case, um, 
Oh, we're running out of time, and there were so many things I wanted to cover. Um, go ahead, go ahead, go but ahead. In any case, um, mm-hmm. in any case, I wanted to get to a couple of talks in um, in a Q and A session um, that was discussed. There was one talk in particular, and I'm calling the talk out. I look, I know Kim. Kim is generally nicer about these sorts of things than I am, but I'm calling the call the talk out by name. There's a talk out And we're going into overtime, y'all. We're going to go into overtime. I'm just letting them know we're going into overtime. Okay. We're going to talk about this. We're not going to stop. We're going to continue on. Um, Compass120.com, that's Doc and Val down in Atlanta. Compass120.com, where you can get all of your free thought gear, paraphernalia, so on and so forth. So I wanted to give them a shout-out before we get into this because I'm just going to let Raina run with it. Go. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, um, so yeah, so we were, I, I want to talk about this talk. The name of the talk is, um, Sanctified Hose, and it was given at the Sexy, Sexy Secular Conference, and I just have to say, I was, I'm really disappointed in this talk. I really, really am, um, because although the, um, you know, Mandisa, uh, made a lot of good points about, um, about the sort of systemic issues involved in the black community, she still blames um, what she sees as these black pathologies on the church. Um, you know, she talks about the most common scandals in the black community are extramarital affairs, illegitimate children, misappropriation of church funds, abuse, uh, drug, sexual, and physical, and otherwise. Aren't those like the most common scandals, period? Like, Really? You know what I mean? Like, are these somehow, like, reflective of something special that's going on within the church community? I mean, I don't think so. These are, these are common. These are found in, in just about every sector of society that you exactly. can imagine. And they're not special to the black community in any way, shape, or form. It only became okay, involved with Bristol Palin. You know, with Bristol Palin, you know, now they got shows showing young white mothers and their baby daddies. I think that was the name of the reality show, My Baby Daddy or something like that. But beforehand, it was a shame when they were pointing the finger at, you know, people of color, but when white people, you know, starting being more forthright that, you know, these issues are prevalent in their community, now it's in vogue, you know, like getting cornrows. But anyway, go ahead. Right, and it's like, um, you know, she, um, you know, she was basically um, calling the people who are in the churches emotionally weak and gullible, um, and she also accused them of mostly being women. But let me, before I move on, I just want to say, like, um, you know, this notion of the black church, you know, being, um, you know, matriarchal or populated mostly by black women is somewhat true, but not entirely. Okay, the the actual church attendance, yes, like women tend to go more to church than than black women tend to go to more church church services than other than other groups. But um, in terms of religiosity, black women are no more religious than black men. You know what I mean? And um, again, there are reasons. Um, there's like I think they said like of black men and women who consider themselves religious and 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 say that it's important to them. It's like 74% were women 
and 70% were men. That's only 4% difference. You know what I mean? So whether they're attending churches or not, you know, on a regular basis, you know, this notion that black women are somehow um, need to be held responsible, you know, for the failures of the church or, um, you know, how could black women go to the church and, you know, all of these things are happening. We're not the only ones there. You know what I mean? And we're certainly mm-hmm. not the only ones who believe, you know. So, exactly. Um, in any case, um, and we're not in the and we're not the ones that make up the majority of the leadership either, despite the fact that we are, you know, the ones who are mainly attending. You know, so we cannot, you know, be held accountable for everything that goes on within the church. And we certainly shouldn't be pointing at the black church as though it it, it has um a, you know, way more problems than, you know, majority churches. You know, when we look at people like, um, who's that guy? The one, um the one that got caught with the with the prostitute. What's his name? Oh, you know I'll punch it Jimmy no, Swagger. The, the wife, no, not him. The one, the 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 one um, from Colorado. Oh, with the male prostitute, Haggard. Yes, Haggard. Haggard. Yes, yes, Haggard. You know, there's 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 Haggard. There's um, Joel Osteen. I mean, look at how much money Joel Osteen lost. You know. I mean, that one weekend, and that was one weekend. You know what I mean? That he lost exactly. all, of, all of that money. Um, you know, and you know somebody has that money. Somebody in the church has that money. Exactly. And come on exactly. now. Let's not exactly. pretend that, like, these most common scandals that happen um, within black churches are only happening in black churches or that they're somehow worse when it comes to black churches. Um you know, or that there's something inherently wrong with the black church that's not wrong with, you know, any institution, you know? Institutions are, 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 Mm -hmm. oh, sorry, I was going to say institutions are made up of people, and, you know, people do messed up things. I'm sure, I'm sure if you look behind the curtain of many of these atheist organizations, there's a lot of Mm -hmm. nasty things being done and swept under the rug while we're not watching. Exactly. And not only that, you know, a lot of that happens in the black nationalist community, and no one is talking about that. And they're more familiar with that community, especially with certain people in that community that they're associated with, past and present, that, you know, are basically guilty of those very same things. Exactly. Let's talk about that. Yep, sex sex scandals, rapes misappropriation of funds, yeah, you know, so on and so forth. Go on and on and on. But, yeah. Um, You know, and it's like, again, you know, we get into this notion about Christianity being imposed without any real, you know, consideration of the various ways in which black people have, you know, altered, you know, their, their theology or, you know, come to some different view of Christianity, you know, other than that of the mainstream or the, you know, white churches or the mainstream theologies that they've come across. Um, then there's this, then there was this section about the price of sanctimony and talking about the false sense of image and prestige. Okay, this is really interesting to me because I feel like this one can be used um, when you're talking about the atheist community. You know, exactly. a lot of atheists come to this community thinking that being an atheist makes them intellectuals. You know, um, 
that, um, you know, that being an atheist means that you're rational. Um, and that's not necessarily true. I mean, we have a lot of people in this community who, despite the fact that they're, you know, calling themselves skeptics and rationalists and all those sorts of things, they cannot be persuaded by um, facts and evidence outside of the sciences, the hardcore sciences. I mean, like, so, you know, sociological data, you know, political polls, you know, and what have you. You know, we have people in this community who say, oh, there's like, um, you know, there's, there's a, a, a significant portion of atheists who are conservatives, despite the fact that there are no numbers that show that. Exactly. You know what I mean? The secular exactly. census debunks that notion. You know what I mean? So, I mean, we, we need to think about, you know, um, the things that we say and, and what we represent. Um, you know, uh, the, another part was overlooking critical issues that need to be addressed. Okay? Um, could also be said of the atheist community. Could be said of any community. So this is, like, the problem that I have with, like, some of these organizations and things out here. Not necessarily personal issues with these people. I don't know a lot of these people personally. But, you know, at, at this point, I feel, like, I feel like we have to start pushing back and we, in order to uh, make ourselves a community that's more thoughtful, you know what I mean, and, and makes better arguments, you know what I mean, uh, regarding exactly. these things. Um, you know, because how can we make positive change if we have our facts wrong, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, talking about overlooking the critical issues that need to be addressed. I mean, there are several, there are several organizations who have lately been accused of, you know, um, being complicit in sexual harassment and, um, and sexual assault, um, you know, you know how um, you know how these situations will play out. You know is you know is anybody's guess. But um, you know I'm not saying that that all of these cases are true or, or not true or what. I don't know. Um, but the fact of the matter is is that some of the behavior allegations being brought forth um, really makes um, some of these organizations look pretty bad. Um, exactly. You know, not handling these things. In, in the in the proper way, you know, people who are still on board still have positions, you know, weren't you know censured or you know um, suspended for you know while investigations were pending, um, you know, people who have had multiple allegations against them, you know, um, from from different parties, you know what I mean? Um, having right. you know people blindly um, sort of defending them. You know, and, and some people are just defending them with just, you know, ridiculous things like, oh, I know him, he's a nice person. You know what I mean? Okay, like, you know, let's, let's um, remember that, you know, um, when it comes to rape, this notion of the hairy-knuckled man who, you know, waits in your bushes is, is, is you know, it's a, it's a fable. It's a myth. It's not real. You know what I mean? More than likely you're going to be raped or assaulted by someone that you know. And the chances are that we, you know, a lot of us who are out here are friends with people who have probably assaulted or raped someone, and we may not know, you know. Exactly. And so I know that makes us a lot, a, a lot of us uncomfortable, but that's just the fact of the matter. And so then there was like this, this thing about the good girl notion, and we need to challenge that within black churches. Again, we're talking about respectability politics. And then there's another thing that we need to talk about when it comes to the black community, again, with the respectability politics. Um, You know, black women in particular, and this is a criticism of feminism too, 
Um, you know, a lot of, you know, feminists have, you know, talked about, like, you know, these slut walks and engaged in these slut walks and things to kind of counter the notion that women need to cover themselves or behave in a certain way in order not to be raped, you know. Being, um, being a black woman, you know, participating in a slut walk is not necessarily a good thing for me because, um, you know, black women are, you know, viewed as being particularly sexual. Um, and, and that's part of why, you know, the twerking that Miley Cyrus was doing is, is read as somewhat, you know, you know, awesome and revolutionary or, you know, as particularly, you know, cool, you know. But when black women were doing it, it, you know, it was, you know, it was just, you know, something nasty, something that, you know, was, um, you know, a bad influence on children and all that type of stuff. You know, Beyonce, you know what I mean, is a mother, you know what I mean, and she rides on stage talking about having sex with her actual husband, and that's a problem. But Madonna, you know, uh, you know, rolling around and kissing and, you know, humping and, you know, all that stuff years and years before, you know, was not viewed as much of a, uh, as much of a threat, you know, or something like, or what, even what Miley Cyrus is doing is not necessarily seen as um, a bad thing by a lot of people. It's just, you know, contra- it, it's, it's different. It's provocative, you know, but Beyonce right. does it right. talking about her husband is the problem. You know what I mean? Exactly. So I think you just mm-hmm. have to, recognize the fact that, um, you know, that there are challenges to dealing with some of these issues, um, even if one wants to be sex positive. There's challenges to dealing with these issues that go beyond just, oh, you should be able to. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, you should be able to, but we also need to deal with these prevailing racial stereotypes that would, you know, label me as um as some somehow unacceptable, you know, for doing the same thing that a white woman or a white man could do that would be viewed as acceptable. So we have to deal with that. We have to deal with the we have to re- recognize that there are real consequences for those things. Um exactly. We have to deal with that. Exactly. So in any case, um then there was like um then there was another talk that sort of bothered me. Um it was a Q&A for the Contradiction series, uh, or the Contradiction movie, I guess, um, and where they had audience members who asked a number of really, really, uh, you know, horrible questions. Uh, one of them was um, dealing with um, blaming religion for, like, the number of mosques versus universities. I'm pretty sure if you compare the number of churches and synagogues in the United States to the number of universities, that there are far more churches than there are universities in this country. You know what I mean? So it's just like, it, it's, it's one of those things. It's like you're always, we're always otherizing in this community. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. There's something wrong exactly. with, Mus- with the Muslim world, with the Islamic world. You know what I mean? That's, some, that's not wrong with the Western world. Why are these people over here, you know, um, with their Korans, you know, why do they have these, 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 you know, all of these mosques, but they don't have as many, you know, universities? Well, maybe some of that has to do with the fact that, you know, colonialism, you know, and, and you know, corporate, you know, uh, you know, corporate uh, interests may be supporting, you know, people, uh, you know, 
powers within those countries that are that are anti um, modernization. Maybe some of those right. corporations are are so invested in consolidating power and protecting interests in oil and um, and and natural resources that they're not really um, invest uh, doing things like you know providing people with living wages. You know what I mean? Maybe there aren't as many protections for individuals, you know, and and, and what have you. It's there as well as here, and maybe and maybe because of these these policies and practices by the corporate interests and by colonial interests, um, you know, that these are the things that are actually holding these countries back and not necessarily just faith, you know. We have mm-hmm. to think about these things. Um, you know, it's not to say that there are not, there are not you know, religious um, beliefs that could be holding them back in some ways. But the fact of the matter is, is that it's, it's, pretty it's just it's ignorant when we when we decide that we're going to attack Islam particularly when we don't know anything about it you know what I mean exactly. and when we're and, exactly. and when we don't take into account all of the other sorts of things that come into play um, you know the corporate interests like I said you know the um, the um, you know colonialism and um, and foreign policy you know what I mean? It mm-hmm. comes into play. You know, we talk about we we want to talk about you know people like Saddam Hussein and you know um, you know you know Iran and its government structure with the Ayatollah and what have you. Um, you know, but we but we support we we our country has supported dictators. You know what I mean? Exactly. Right, and put them in place. You know, has 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 trained them. You know what I mean? Have have given them weapons. You know what I mean? So you know mm-hmm. we we have to take into account that we contribute to a lot of these situations. Um, you know, and and the um, you know there's already there's been reports about you know how um, you know people have reported and people have done investigations on how you know U.S. foreign policy impacts um, you know terrorist recruiting. You know, for example. You know how how our um, you know how our drone strikes, and the fact that we you know that we have you know caused so many casualties, civilian casualties, you know has impacted people on the ground, has motivated people to engage in direct terrorist action against the United States. You know what I mean? These are things that we have to keep in mind. These people are not you know solely motivated by religious belief. They're motivated by, by by things that are much deeper, and they're not motivated to harm us because they just want our freedom. That doesn't make any sense. You know, we have to think much deeper and much more globally, you know? Yes, and much more critically, and apply those critical thinking skills not only when you're critiquing religion, but to every aspect of life. This is, we've been stressing that. It's extremely important for people to understand that that is critical. Right, and then we, um, and then we, uh, uh, when I was watching it, there was another individual. Oh goodness, oh my head hurts when I think about this question. But um, exactly, he he basically asked, you know, why, uh, about the quote unquote phenomena 
of black people going to church and then going uh, going to the club and then going to church and asked if maybe black people just like singing and dancing and maybe that's why they wanted to go to church. And my and my response to that is have you been to Broadway? You know what I mean? Exactly. Have you seen have you seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Have you seen, you know, Hello Dolly? Have you seen Annie? You know what I mean? You know, mm-hmm. white people like to sing and dance too. You know, it's not just black people. You know, let's not be so stereotypical. You know what I mean? Um, you know, and, 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 and this is thinking. what we're talking about. Yeah, and this is what we're talking yeah. about when we say that we're not sure if some of these people are sincere or if it's trolling, and we just want you to be more conscientious when you speak to us because I have yet to hear anyone ask a white atheist, let's say a white atheist from, you know, from the Appalachian Mountains somewhere over there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I have yet to ask, hear someone ask them if they like to sing and dance. <laughs> you know, that why they go to church? Because there are some white churches that are just like, some of the sanctified black churches. They have their drums, they have their bass, they sing and dance and shout and do all. I mean, we posted some videos laughing about some things, but some of those choirs rock. You know, and they said, mm-hmm. you, if you close your eyes, you would think that you were in the middle of the south side of Chicago at some storefront church. Sounds just the same. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's just it's just really uh, disheartening, you know, to have to deal with that sort of stereotypical, you know, thinking, um, you know, from people who regard themselves as intellectuals and skeptics. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. get a clue. Get a clue. Um, then there was another um, person who made a comment that suggested that black Christians were especially violent, that you had to watch yourself talking to black Christians. I have a number of people in my life who are black Christians. I've met a lot of black Christians, you know, just out um, that I've come out to that I'm not necessarily friends with and not related to. And um, I've never had to think about getting a bodyguard or, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean, or, or, or calling the police um, because I feared for my safety. Um, you know, that that whole notion that black Christians – are especially violent is not necessarily about them being black and Christian. It's about them being black. And it's about this notion that black people are especially violent and savage and uncontrollable and uncivilized and all of that. And um, unfortunately, this particular comment actually came from a black person, which goes to show you that a lot of times black people can be um, be worse in terms of per- perpetuating this sort of white supremacy and, and, and stereotypical belief. Um, than even white people. Um, exactly. There were there were there were some audible there were some audible laughter there was some audible laughter and some audible claps that I heard in the audience. So there were clearly people in that audience, white and black, who were probably supportive of what she had to say, which is unfortunate. But go ahead. Exactly. Oh no, no, I, I'm right there with you. When I heard that question, I was just you know totally amazed and. You know, I, I know that comment rubbed a few of us um, the wrong way. 
And it's just, you know, again, you know, white supremacy being, you know, um, perpetuated by a person of color. Um, It's just really interesting. But let's put, you know, white supremacy in its proper context. I'm not dealing with that question, Kim. We've already talked about that. I'm not dealing with that. We've talked about about white supremacy before, and I'm not dealing with that that white supremacy in context nonsense. White supremacy is the context. Next question. Anyway, um, you know, suggested that black families, um, there was one person that suggested that black families are somehow lacking in the ability to problem solve or use critical thinking, and they were asking about, you know, how do we get black families to use, like, toys or whatever that can, you know, that can help with critical thinking skills and what have you. And I just, I really was disturbed by this question. You know what I mean? Again, it exactly. just trades on racial stereotypes. You know, this notion that black people are, are, are intellectually inferior and that we somehow are lacking in our ability to use critical thinking and logic. And, you know, I just, I, I, I just cannot deal with it. I cannot deal with anyone who would ask such an asinine question. You know what I mean? It's just, it's unthinkable that in this day and age that someone would think to put those words together. But here's the answer to that, Um, you know, how how you get to do that. First, you have to stop putting it in in just this lack of critical thinking in racial terms. Let's talk about, let's talk about the fact that, like, evolution, you know, the the belief in evolution in this country, the acceptance of evolution in this country is is not, um, I forget what the percentages are, but a lot of that is coming from white families, you know, white white communities, you know. I mean, Dover doesn't have exactly a large black community, and I did, And when I watched the, the documentary on the Dover trial, there weren't a whole lot of black people in it, and there certainly mm-hmm. weren't a whole lot of black people who were picketing. So let's get this notion out of our heads that somehow black people are backwards and that black people don't have the ability to use critical thinking and judgment, and, and that it's just, it's just them. You know what I mean? It is, a, it is a, a problem for a lot of different communities. And part, of that, and part of the reason that it's a problem for a lot of those different communities is because ed- our education system in this country is broken. It is broken. Exactly. And, we need to, and we need to do something about the high-stakes testing and we need to do something about about the funding in certain communities, you know, because there are funding gaps, significant funding gaps between between schools that are even within the same district. You know what I mean? We need to do exactly. something about that. We also, we, I mean, when we're talking about, you know, toys, you know, we're talking about consumer items, okay? You know, to buy toys costs money. If you don't exactly. make a living wage and you don't have your and you don't have your needs met and your children can't get the nutrition that they so need in order to go to school mm-hmm. and to use critical thinking skills, then it doesn't matter if you buy them every leapfrog toy in the market. <laughs> they will. They. It is not going to help them in the long run. You know what I mean? So we have to deal with we have to deal with the economic problems, the educational problems, you know, and stop and, and stop thinking in these stereotypical racist ways. You know, I just could not exactly. believe that they put that together. And then, um, 
and then unfortunately, you know, of course Steve Hill didn't really help any of this. And I, I don't know Steve Hill personally, but um, based upon a lot of his answers to, to a lot of these questions, I was not impressed by the man. But um, but then when he went into talking about, um, he went into his answer blaming, quote, unquote, females. And we're not even going to, we don't have time to get into why he should not be calling women females. Um you know, females are, you know, what you call, you know, plants, inanimate objects. You know what I mean? Uh, right. <laughs> you know, that's what you do. But um, what have you. But um, in any case, he blamed black women for religiosity. And, again, that goes back to, you know, just doing a little bit of research. You know, black women are religious. Yes, they're among one of the, one of the most religious groups in the United States, 74%, right? Black men right exactly. behind them at 70, exactly. right behind them, okay? So let's get out of this notion of blaming black women for black pathology. That's, that's that Moynihan crap, you know, the Moynihan report exactly. crap. You know, yep. that's that, you know, that's that black nationalist nonsense about exactly. black, uh, a black exactly. matriarchy. But somehow that if the problems that exist within the black community have to do with the fact that black women are heads of families and not like heads of families because they want to be heads of families. Let's just keep that real. They're de facto heads of families. They're not right. displacing black men on purpose. They're de facto heads of families. And there, and there are economic reasons for that. And there are, um, you know, there are policy reasons for that. A lot of those reasons are policy issues. You know, problems exactly. with incarceration, um, access to higher education, you know, problems with access rights. to um, reproductive rights, exactly, um, to, to reproductive resources, um, you right. know, and problems with um, access to economic opportunities. You know what I mean? Exactly. So we have exactly. to deal with all of these things within their proper context. And then, um, you know, and, and a part, as a part of that, a lot of um, – a lot of the audience was actually even laughing at one of the, um, you know, the people who was questioning uh, or, or said that he didn't believe that he'd be able to even date black women anymore because um, because of re- religiosity. And um, I thought that was really interesting that they were laughing at it. And, and it seems to be like there's some, some hostility in certain sectors right. in this community, particularly right. towards um, black women and black women who are perceived to be religious. Um, and and so a lot of times when you hear them, hear people in the community talking about the black church, they're really talking about black women. Um, exactly. and, and if you listen and pay attention, you can find that a lot of the, um, the ways in which um, they're discussing the black church um, really, really boil down to a lot of these ignorant racial stereotypes, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it's and it's very sad, and it's um it's tiresome, and um, I'm glad we addressed it today so I can you know point people to this podcast. Oh um, yeah, and, 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 and what I found interesting, you know, I'm just gonna bring it back. You know, the one gentleman that questioned and said, you know, why is it that the slaves um took on the religion of the slave masters? Now, now. That question I've heard so many times, and I usually hear that from black nationalists. 
And I mean, just to be honest with you, and now you have, you know, some whites asking the same thing. So there is some type of overlay there. Like, you know, I don't know. I don't have a Venn diagram, but it's some overlay somewhere there. You know, why isn't the question, why is it that some of the slaveholders who practice the same religion, how can they justify having slaves? What type of mindset would tell them that it's okay? So let's pose right. that same question, but in a different context. Answer that question. Right. Because most of it had nothing to do with the Bible. Exactly. To be honest. I mean, you know, the Bible doesn't explicitly, you know, uh, speak against slavery. You know what I mean? So, you know, mm-hmm. it can't necessarily, it's not, it's, you know, it, it really all boils down to interpretation. You know, the same people who were, you know, um, but see, a lot of the justifications for slavery were, were based on white supremacy, that there was something inadequate, inferior about black people, and that black people needed to be civilized, and this was the means what? of civilizing them, and that there should be some kind of, some sort of social order, you know, where blacks were at the bottom, you know, where blacks knew their place. You know, exactly. and that was the majority of those arguments. Even even Thomas Jefferson, you know what I mean, who a lot of, you know, black secular, or secularists rather, not, not just black ones, but secularists like to hold up as somehow a beacon, you know what I mean, of, you know, mm-hmm. rationalism. You know, he wrote a lot of very disparaging things about black people and their intellectual abilities and their... Um, and even their looks, you know. Exactly. Um, so, you know, I'm just, I'm just over it. I'm really over it. I'm over this idea that you know atheists are like smarter, better, whatever. I'm over it. You know, we need to, we need to check ourselves. You know, we need to exactly. learn some history. And what I find ironic about some of this is um, some of these people feel as though that they are superior over black Christians. I'm talking about some of these black atheists. Feel as though they're superior over black Christians because they don't believe in a deity. But yet they try to use that same particular superiority, um, you know, cliche, if you will, when they're talking about blacks that are, you know, educated or academic. And I just find it interesting. You know, you, you, right. it, it's, it's projecting. It's projecting. I, I need them to understand right. that you're projecting. Um, exactly. and, and the way you grow is through education. And it doesn't mean that you have to have the alphabet behind your name. But pick up a book. Read. Find some articles. There's a lot of free books online. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'll be the first one to admit, I didn't know all of this when I came into this community. I had other people educate me. I did some research on my own and did some self-education, autodidact. You know, right. this is how I'm growing. This is how I'm learning. I'm open to criticism, constructive criticism. Let me make sure I clear that up. Because oh. <laughs> we don't want to start that war because you will lose. Um, <laughs> so... Um, 
it, it's just the whole thing is interesting, you know, and it's not about being superior. It's about understanding and having empathy for people, understanding the situation, this so-called black pathology, you know, uh, it, it's just, you know, blacks are not responsible for the public policies. Um, you hear us all the time encouraging people to vote. You have people in this community, even some black atheists, white atheists, that do not believe in voting. Right. And it's just it's a lot that we need to talk about. There are homophobic atheists, sexist atheists, racist atheists. You know, someone, I keep hearing this one excuse, that when you become a quote-unquote free thinker, you are free from all of those things. That's not true. Right. In any capacity. Mhm. So it's just interesting, you know, and I'm not gonna really get too much on it because it just it upsets me. I'm upset about a lot of different things, um in this community and like I said, we just have to do better. But not only that, we have to be mindful. We have to be mindful of our audience, who we're talking to, and most importantly, who we're talking about because, you know, I kind of have somewhat of an issue with people disparaging the black community when you've never been a part of it, um, disparaging a black church when you've never been a part of it and you don't understand it. Now, you know, it's okay to criticize it, but, you know, you know, I like when your criticisms said, are valid, I'm nicer, I'm, I'm nicer about it than you know. There's so much I could say. I could take this and run with it, but I don't want to be um, accused of one thing or another. Even though I really don't give a damn, but I'm trying to be a little bit more PC about this. But the thing is, is that. The same issues that you're pointing out in the so-called black community or in the black church, the same thing happens in all communities and all churches. It happens in the secular community, except it's not talked about. A lot of this is covered up because they want to put out a good face. It's PR in the atheist community, and Mm -hmm. it's it's just interesting. And, you know, that needs to be addressed as well, but, of course, it won't. Right. Oh, well, that's all I can do today. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you got in you, girl? That's it? That's all I got in me. Mm-hmm. That's it, and that is all. Well, we covered quite a bit. I hope that we can lay a lot of these issues, these questions, and these comments to rest. I'm tired of answering them. I want to give my ignorant answer of the day, but unfortunately there are some people out there who will take my answer seriously. So I can't necessarily respond the way that I want to. So from this point forward, I'm just going to ignore you. You can ask all the questions you want. I don't have to answer them. And that's pretty much, you know, where I stand on a lot of this. I'm just going to point you to the blog and to this broadcast. And on that note, I think we're done. You all have a lovely Sunday. The rest of the day is 1230 Central Standard Time. And I think I'm going to take a nap. Anyway, 
You all take it easy. Mm-hmm. We appreciate it. Um, Black Skeptics Group is a 501c3 organization. We are taking donations, blackskeptics at gmail.com. We have the Women's in Leadership Program. We have the First in the Family Humanist Scholarships. Um, again, don't forget about the People of Color Beyond Faith um, conference that we're having October 11th and 12th. We want to see you there. Shout out. Compass120.com, Doc and Val down in Atlanta. You all have a lovely day. Take care. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.